Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray. Father, thank you for being so faithful to us. Thank you, Lord, for being a faithful friend. And Lord, now as we prepare to come to your table and to remember your death for us, we pray, Lord, that you would prepare our hearts now through this meditation in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Please turn in your Bible to Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. Exodus chapter 12, verse 13. Just a couple of um, verses this morning to prepare our hearts for the breaking of bread. This verse in particular, Exodus chapter 12, verse 13, really the heart of this chapter 12 is this one verse where God said, and the blood shall be to you for a token upon the houses where ye are. And when I see the blood... I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. And then if you'd like to please turn, keep your place there in Exodus and turn to Colossians chapter 1, verse 20. Colossians 1.20. Colossians 1.20. And having made peace through the blood of his cross by him to reconcile all things unto himself, by him I say, whether they be things in heaven or things on earth. Here in Exodus, this was a, a night like no other night. It's really hard for us to imagine it. Because the warning had been clearly given by God in this verse and the one before it, in Exodus 12, 12, where God warned everybody in Egypt, and he said, I will pass through the land of Egypt this night and will smite all the firstborn in the land of Egypt both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. This was God's warning before then he moved in to explain in the verse we just read that there was to be blood as a token. And when God says, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. This was a night of judgment. God was going to pass through the land of Egypt. He was going to, as he passed through the land of Egypt, he was going to kill every firstborn in the land of Egypt, both of man and of animals. There was to be no exceptions. Every firstborn in every family, every firstborn among animals was going to die on this night. This was a terrible night. This was a terrible night. All the firstborn are going to die on this night as the Lord passed from house to house, from barn to barn, from nest 
to nest, from hole to hole. Wherever man or animal was found, God would find them, and every firstborn is going to die. And he called this a night of execution. It's going to be the greatest mass execution on one night that the world had ever known. It was a night in which God said that he was going to execute judgment on all the gods of Egypt. If any person trusted in any of the gods of Egypt to protect them from God, they would see that on that night, none of the gods of Egypt could save them from the executions of the firstborn on that night. And God said, in this verse we just read, I will execute judgment. There were no exceptions. There are no exceptions. God called this in uh, verse 42 of the same chapter, Exodus 12, 42, 12, 42. It is a night to be much observed. And as you and I are here today, as, as we're right here now, there's no way that you and I can possibly imagine what that night was like. There's no way we can imagine how horrifying it was, how terrifying it was, that there was just no escape from these executions in firstborn. The people in Egypt, they had seen that God was to be taken seriously. This was the last one of nine previous judgments that God told everyone in Egypt through Moses in advance. He told them this is going to happen. And they did happen. And so nine times before, everyone saw what God said was going to happen actually happened. Well, here we are now. It's the 10th time that God has warned, and this is the most horrible judgment, and it's going to happen. It's the death of all the firstborn. For all the other judgments, there was no escape. God said that this was going to happen. It happened. There was no escape for anyone. There was no escape from the first plague. As everyone watched, their precious river Nile, which in Egypt is the life of Egypt. No Nile, no Egypt. And their precious river Nile turned to blood. And there was no escape. There was nothing that anyone could do in the first plague of the river Nile turning to blood. There's nothing they could do. There was no escape from that. They couldn't have a little part of the river that didn't turn to blood. It all turned to blood. That was the first plague. There was no escape from the second plague. As everyone watched in horror, as frogs were everywhere. Frogs in their shoes, frogs in their sheets of their bed, frogs in their food, frogs everywhere. There was no escape from the frogs. There was nothing that anyone could do to be exempt from the second plague of the frogs. And then there was a third plague. And the third plague, there was lice everywhere. There was not a head of any man, any person. There was not a head of any animal which was not infested with the lice. The lice were everywhere. They were in their grains. They were forced to eat the lice. There was no escape from the lice. And there was nothing that anyone could do to be exempt from this third plague of the lice. And they were warned in advance that it was coming. There was no escape from the fourth plague of flies. Flies everywhere. The sky, just imagine the sky black with swarms of flies. You couldn't open your mouth without getting flies in your mouth. In your ears, in your nose, everywhere, crawling all over everything. There was no escape for anyone from the flies. There was nothing that anybody could do to be exempt from that fourth plague of, of flies. And God said in advance that it was going to happen, and it happened. And then there was the fifth plague of some livestock disease, a terrible livestock disease. Strange, a strange plague. 
It came on the livestock. Everyone saw helpless. All they could do is watch in a state of shock and horror as they watched their livestock become sick, drop to the ground, pant for breath, and then die. That was the fifth plague on the livestock. There was no escape. There was nothing anyone could do to be exempt from the fifth plague of the disease of the livestock. Then there was the sixth plague. There was no escape from the sixth plague. Festering boils. Festering boils. Boils that appeared all over men and women, all over people, all over animals. First the boils with a raised red area. Then the boils break open and fester with causing unceasing pain. Boils on every person, boils on every animal, every member of every family looked at themselves and at each other, and they just saw festering boils all over their bodies. Same on the animals. That was the sixth plague of festering boils. No escape. Warning before it happened, it happened. Nothing that anyone could do to be exempt from that sixth plague of festering boils all over people and animals. Then there was no escape from the second plague. The second plague, hail and fire. Clouds darken the sky. Hail falls in such large size that the hail is like, are like lethal rocks that killed any animal that was left in the fields. And in horror, as it started to happen, people run for their shelter and they watch as their animals die as they're hit by this hail. Then the lightning and the fire running across the ground like waves of destruction. It was the sixth play, it was the seventh play of hail and fire. And no one could do anything to be exempt from it. There was no escape from the seventh plague of hail and fire. Then the eighth plague, the eighth plague of locusts from a distance. They could see this black clouds moving across the land, destroying every green thing in its path with the horrible noise of its wings as they move across the land of Egypt till finally they arrived, blotting out the sunlight because there's so many of them. Locusts, like the frogs, like the lice, they were everywhere the tormenting noise there. You couldn't walk without walking on layers of locusts. It was the eighth plague. There was no escape. There was nothing that anyone could do to be exempt from this eighth plague of the locusts. And if you were outside at that time of the land of Goshen, where the Jewish people were, then there was no escape from the ninth plague of a profound darkness. A darkness that could be felt, a darkness that was so profound that it just penetrated the soul. No one could see anything with the darkness that could be felt, and it drove everyone into a horrible state of sadness and depression. I've been in Finland, in the north of Finland, during the winter time, and seen people that have gone into a severe depression where they've had to go to clinics and sit in front of fluorescent lights to bring them out of this depression. This was a darkness worse than that. It was the ninth plague of the profound darkness, and there was no escape. If you were outside the land of Goshen, there was nothing that anyone could do to be exempt from it. So the pattern for these nine plagues is very clear. God, through Moses, told in advance what was going to happen, what plague was going to come, and it came, and there was no escape And there was nothing that anyone could do to be exempt 
from the plague. Now comes the worst plague of all, the tenth plague. More horrible than all the previous nine plagues. It's the tenth plague. It's the death of the firstborn. Everyone knew that this tenth plague would happen just as sure as the previous nine plagues had happened. So with the announcement of this horrible tenth plague that each firstborn son is going to die in every family, they all looked at each other. The firstborn looked at the family, firstborn son. The family looked at the forest at the firstborn, the first, and they all looked at the firstborn son, and they said, you're going to die. And the firstborn son looked back at the family and said, I'm going to die. And those that had not hardened their heart to God, this was going to be the worst plague. But they asked the question, is it going to be like the other nine plagues? Is there also going to be no escape from this most horrible tenth plague? as there was no escape from the previous nine plagues? Is there no exemption from this most horrible tenth plague? Is there no passing over from this tenth plague? Must the firstborn in this terrible plague die? And God replied that this tenth plague was to be different. This was to be different than all the other nine plagues. Because, yes, there was a way of escape. It was the only way, but it was a way. It was a way of escape. And yes, it was possible to have an exemption from this most horrible tenth plague of the death of the firstborn. And yes, it was possible to be skipped, to be passed over. And God said that the way of escape was for each family to sacrifice a lamb. Each family had to sacrifice a lamb. And they had to collect the blood from the lamb. And then they had to put the blood on the doorposts, uh, the two doorposts, and on the lintel, the shape of a cross. That's what they had to do. And that was the way of escape. And then God said in the verse we read, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. God was saying, When I see the blood, you will escape the tenth plague, the death of the firstborn. God was saying, when I see the blood, you will be exempt from the tenth plague. When I see the blood, you will be passed over. You will be skipped. That blood was so powerful that when God saw it, judgment was turned away. That blood was so powerful that when God saw it, there was no execution in that home. The firstborn lived. And the escape, the exemption, the passing over, the skipping over, the stopping of the execution all happened when God saw the blood. The firstborn was saved when God saw the blood. Now, it's real and it's important about what we think of the blood, but you know what's more important? What God thinks of the blood. And the question is, What does God think of the blood? The question is, what did God see in the blood? What did God see in the blood that caused him to stay the execution, to stop it, to pass over the judgment? What did God see when he saw the blood? Now, we know that on the first Passover night, those family lambs were symbolic of the Lord Jesus Christ, as we had just read in Colossians 
And as John the Baptist introduced the Lord Jesus Christ in John 1.29, when it says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world, John 1.29. But what God saw in the blood of those family lambs is symbolic of what God saw in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God died on the cross for our sins. 2,000 years ago, the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Lamb of God, shed his blood on the cross, and God saw the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the question is, what did God think when he saw the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? When I see the blood, he said, I will pass over you. So what did God see in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? First, we needed blood. We needed blood to make an atonement for our sins. God makes it very clear in Leviticus 17.11 when he explains, the life of the flesh is in the blood, and I have given it to you upon the altar to make an atonement for your souls. It's the blood that makes an atonement for the soul. He couldn't have been more clear. We needed the blood to make an atonement for all of our sins because our souls are stained with sin. But not just any blood, a special blood, very special blood. When God required Israel to bring an offering for sin, he emphasized the specialness of the offering by making a certain requirement of the animal to be sacrificed, which is also in Exodus 12, verse 5, Exodus 12, 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You shall take it out from the sheep or from the goats. See, the requirement there had to be of an animal without blemish. That speaks to the fact that the Lord Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God was a person who was without any blemish or sin. That is nearly impossible for you and I to imagine. Why? Because we're so sinful. Because we've sinned. It's so unlike us. We're filled with sin. We can't imagine a person being without sin. But that's who he was. That's how he is described in Isaiah 53, 9. He made his grave with the wicked and with the rich and rich in his death because he had done no violence, neither was there any deceit in his mouth. You know, it's hard for us to imagine that. We can't imagine that. A person being so sinless as that he never sinned is in the case of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can't imagine a person like that because we're so far from that. We don't know anyone who's like that. Someone who's never told a lie? If there's anyone in this room who says, I've never lied, you add that to your list of lies. That in itself is a lie. We're just, we can't imagine this. It's not that we're happy with it. We're very unhappy with it. It's not that we're proud of it. We're ashamed of it. But it's so much us, but not him. In 1 Peter 1.18, it says, 1 Peter 1.18, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation, received by tradition of your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. His blood was from a person that was without blemish and without spot. And therefore, it was precious in that it was rare. No one else has ever lived a life like that where it could be said of him in 1 Peter 2.22, who did no sin, neither was guile found in his mouth. So 
One thing's for sure, that doesn't describe us who did no sin, either with any guile found in his mouth. We've all sinned, we've all lied, as we said. But that's what makes the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ precious, because he never sinned. He never told a lie, he never sinned. We needed that kind of blood. We needed that blood from that person to make an atonement for our sins. And that's why his blood was precious. So, it was rare. So what did God see when he saw the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ? The first thing he saw was rare. Never seen blood like that before. Because this was from a person who never sinned. Precious. Precious rare. Second thing he saw when he looked at that blood is he saw purity. He saw purity. He saw in that blood never sinned. Purity. Another thing he saw was value. Our sins were a debt. When we sinned, we sold ourselves as slaves into indebtedness. And we couldn't free ourselves. We couldn't pay the debt. Because unless that very rare, that very precious blood from the person who never sinned was used to pay for our indebtedness, we didn't get free from our indebtedness. That was the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He used his blood to pay for what we owed to free us from the indebtedness that we were responsible for because of our sins. So when God saw his blood, what God thought of his blood was redemption value. That is a value in that blood that can be used to pay for the indebtedness of being in sin. He saw that. Now, as we go now, there's many, many things that God saw in the blood. But just these thoughts to keep in mind as we come to the table, the Lord's table, the breaking of bread, and we remember his words. Yes, we're going to look on the juice, which is going to symbolize the blood. We're going to see the juice, which is going to symbolize the blood. But let's remember what happened when God said, when I see the blood. Yes, we're going to think about that. But the real value is, the real important thing is, what did God think when he saw the blood? And God thought preciousness, rare, never before, blood like that. And God thought value, redemption value. Why? Because God thought purity, purity. When I see the blood, I see preciousness, rare. When I see the blood, I see purity. Never a person sinned, the Lord Jesus. When I see the blood, I see value, redemption value. Let's keep that in mind as we come to the table now and give him thanks for what he saw in the blood. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for these words. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. Thank you, Lord, for looking the blood. Lord, for seeing that is all we needed for our redemption. How beautiful the Lord Jesus is in his purity and his willingness to give his pure blood for our redemption. In Jesus' name, amen. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.com. 
friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God Radio Bible Teacher Tom Cantor at the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for a free Creation Museum admission and amazing weekly food fellowship. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor's Sunday evening messages on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, and classes for children ages 5 to 12. So join the fellowship, the Friendship with God Fellowship, every Sunday evening at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum next to Highway 67 in Santee, California, near the Santee Drive-In. For more information, call us at 1-800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org.